Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Right Care at Baptist. Today, Henry and I will be talking to Melissa Donahue about our Provider Resilience Program. Melissa, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me, Jake and Dr. Sullivan. Yeah. Absolutely. We're pretty glad you could join us today. Great to have you, Melissa. Can you just tell us a little bit about your background? So I am a native of Memphis, grew up in the great town of Bartlett, and I've been over here at Concern as the director of VAP. September will actually be three years. Uh, but prior to my work at Concern as the director of the EAP program, I was a director of the crisis center for Shelby County. And over there, if you're not already familiar, we were seeing 60 to 180 people every 24 hours. So uh, my love for EAP and the preventative side of mental health is something very important. So I'm glad to be able to speak on this topic today to get some help before folks hit that breaking point. Uh, Melissa, let's let's cover just some terminology, just so those who are listening will know when you speak of uh, EAP, what is EAP and what is CONCERN? So CONCERN is the employee assistance provider for Baptist, the entire system. It was a program originally set for just employees, uh, but we also cover their everyone's household. And from that, we first the newest program with the Provider Resiliency Program. Great. Well, then, then perfect, perfect introduction then to the Provider Resilience Program, which is the topic for today. Tell us a little bit about the Provider, provider Resilience Program, something about it, uh, who's it directed to, and, and um, what, what are the objectives? Thank you. Um, well, what the Provider Resiliency Program is, it's something that birth, uh, it's been talked about for probably over five years now, uh, prior to, to me being here at Concern. Um, but we noticed that providers were having difficulty. The term of burnout has something that's been talked about for a long time. And luckily with COVID and being able to address those needs via phone and telehealth, um, we were able to find a way to adequately address the needs um, of providers along with their family members. So um, we had started that back in uh, the first phase, uh, began in April with the second phase in June. So um, we're up and going and ready to be able to provide services and counseling um, over the phone and by telehealth. And is that just here in Memphis or is that throughout the Baptist system? And can you tell us just you know a little bit about the staff and, and who is working as part of that program? Absolutely. So our team here of concern is eight clinicians, and this is a program that is not just for Baptist here in the Memphis area. We actually cover the entire system. And so, uh, you know, getting that message out and knowing the resources that not just doctors, but nurse practitioners and, you know, anyone that normally was not typically covered as a Baptist employee now has access to these services. Can you explain to the audience then, Melissa, what, what is burnout and what does burnout mean to you? What are some of the components of it and maybe some of the causes? Absolutely. Um, you know, burnout is going to look different for everybody and the causes, you know, are a culmination of different things. Um, but the idea of burnout, you know, stress that just compounds to the point that um, the person is absolutely exhausted. They're not as efficient at the job as they normally are because they're not able to bring their entire self to work in that, that uh, role. They're finding themselves, you know, spacing out, thinking about other things, you know, and as a result, a lot of times when we're seeing providers that are becoming more burnout, you know, then the patient quality care is not what it normally is. And, you know, that they ignore some of those things in themselves and, um, you know, they may be taking care of 
people day in and day out and not doing it doing an effective job in that, but not effectively taking care of themselves because they're pouring so much into the work that they're doing and working even harder sometimes because they can't think clearly because they're so tired and not able to focus on, you know, sometimes just daily tasks. And when you talk about the causes of burnout, this is something I, th I think about on a daily basis as the CMIO, you know, one of the things that I'm tasked with doing is trying to make the electronic health record more usable and hopefully causing less stress to the provider community, which is a, it's a big challenge. It's no, nobody has really got it perfect anywhere in the country. And, and I think of the EHR as really one of the big drivers of burnout in a lot of cases. Do you see that as being the case or, and what other causes of burnout outside of the EHR are you seeing? You, you bring up a great point The EHR across the nation we're seeing is one of the most stressful things for providers. They, you know, most providers want to be with their patients and sometimes find themselves documenting more than they're able to spend time with, with a patient. So um, that along with feelings of helplessness, um, that was something causing burnout even before COVID-19 started. Uh, but even more so with the unknown factors of COVID, providers are feeling helpless and um, you know, then that following along feeling like they're going to bring COVID home to their families. Um, and so sometimes taking a, a break and we see providers living in hotels and RVs just to separate themselves from potentially transmitting the virus to a loved one. But also just, you know, the everyday pressures of time, um, you know, for our emergency room physicians and providers, you know, the time pressure to, you know, flip that bed, get the person moved where they need to go because there's somebody somebody waiting in the hallway or in the waiting room to, to be able to provide care. But, you know, the biggest one that I see as a provider a lot of times is uh, loss of touch. You know, you don't feel um, as connected to folks because you're, you know, doing paperwork or, you know, just trying to find what resources are available talking to another provider. Yeah, that's what I feel. I feel like the you know, spending more time in front of the computer, you got that the screen and the artificial environment, you lose that patient touch and that, that patient engagement and being right at the patient's bedside. I'm worried that the COVID-19 pandemic has made that a little bit worse with telemedicine. You know, we're on here via WebEx and we've had many Zoom meetings around the world and around the country, and you do lose that sense of connectedness to your colleagues and to your friends where you don't have those in-person meetings and those in-person experiences. Have you noticed that over the past several months with the COVID-19 pandemic that uh, just this, I, I don't know what to call it, the Zoom fatigue uh, getting worse and, and making burnout worse among our colleagues? You're exactly right, Jake. Uh, you know, as humans, we're personal beings. You know, we want to be around people and socialize um, and we're you know, take those things that we maybe were doing before to help ourselves de-stress or, you know, being at work with, you know, colleagues. It's, we're not getting that as much because uh, Zoom fatigue is the big one I'm hearing. Uh, you know, the Corona coaster that we have as well. Um, you know, things are ever changing, but, you know, there's there's just so much that the, the physicians and providers are dealing with day in and day out. And then with the extra level of COVID, you know, the, the worry of, can I do my job as effectively and efficiently with wearing all these layers of PPE um, and those those different things as well. So, you know, and then we have, in addition to that, folks that have practices, you know, the worry that those practices are, will stay open since we're seeing such low numbers and, you know, for, their, for a little while there, the, uh, you know, worry of not being able to do elective procedures. So there's just so many different layers, layers of stress depending on, you know, which kind of practice you're in.
So, Melissa, you just alluded to, I think, a, a lot of those things which we're hearing in the financial strain, being removed from your family, concerns about exposing your family uh, to the virus from your work environment, even prior to COVID. What are some of the sequelae of, of unattended burnout that you've seen in the, EA, in the BAP program of concern? Well, you know, you're worried about being able to do your documentation before you get to the next patient. So some providers are shortening those visits and they may not get all the information that they need. Um, and so, you know, there can be errors when it comes to providing care. Um, you know, it's, there's so many different things that we're seeing with, with the providers as far as quality of the services. You know, when you feel rushed, you're not gonna be totally present and, and able to adequately do the basic things that you do on a regular basis. Are there so that, any interpersonal consequences? Uh, have you seen relationship oh, challenges and substance use and other issues? Yes, sir, absolutely. Um, the A lot of providers, even before all of this going on, you know, you have problems with your family because the, the numerous hours that you're working, um, you're not able to connect with your family as closely. Um, you know, especially if you're working opposite hours of, of when they're actually awake. When you come home, everybody's asleep, and when they wake up, you're still sleeping. So as a result, you know, sadly, we see a lot of divorces, remarries, and, you know, sometimes another divorce again. We're seeing that um, self-medicating. A lot of folks that, uh, you know, they aren't able to adequately stress. So social drinking quickly turns into I'm going to have some drinks at home and, you know, an addiction forms. Um, and not just the, an addiction of any substances, obviously alcohol is the highest one that we do see, um, but, you know, because it's the, the most readily available, but, you know, if someone takes up eating, you know, if they, they start to stress eat to try to medicate the problems that they're having, then of course, health conditions then happen as well. Um, exercising sometimes is, is actually a way some folks, they may start it as a positive way to help their health, but, you know, if they start exercising, Anything that you do too much of, obviously, we know is a problem. So, um, you know, finding the balance between that uh, work and family life is, is difficult for physicians. And sadly, we do see addictions of all kinds of sorts, as well as, um, you know, folks deciding to go their separate ways. Given, given the time constraints, especially during COVID, have you made adjustments to how the provider can access the resilience program? What have, have you made adjustments to your your ability to react uh, or interact with them? And, and what are those that you've made in? Yes, sir, absolutely. Um, I was actually talking to a, a physician yesterday, um, you know, needed a time outside of our normal schedule. Um, we're always able to adjust our schedules um, we have in, you know, making some longer hours and earlier hours to accommodate that. But, you know, if there's ever, you know, an expedited need um, or something, you know, somebody's need something we don't have an appointment for a few weeks in that time slot and uh, myself and dr johnson our assistant director do currently see clients as well so at any point in time if there's a need uh, we're making ourselves available so that um, there's there's no wait for those physicians and along with that the the easy access of phone and telehealth um, allows for those providers to not have to worry about traveling into the office you know, if there's any worry about confidentiality, no one would ever know if they called or decided to schedule a telehealth appointment because it's strictly between the our office and that person. So you mentioned, you know, how they can access the services if they need it. You know, physicians, we are a notorious bunch for, for not taking care of ourselves, but 
colleagues sometimes can recognize when a physician is struggling. Um, what sort of things should they look for in their colleagues, you know, that they would they would warrant maybe referring to the EAP program? And then how could they do that if they wanted to refer a colleague? Of course, knowing if that, that colleague knows the resources they have, making sure that the other provider knows the resources they have. A lot of times people, especially when they're in a moment of crisis and, you know, anxiety and depression, obviously is elevating a lot of people now, you don't think clearly. So you may not even remember, oh yeah, I have that resource, which we hear quite a lot. Um, but, you know, if, if you're worried about somebody, be a friend and reach out to them and let them know out of, you know, in the nicest way, out of sincere concern, you know, hey, you're not yourself anymore. A lot of the most common signs that we see is, you know, it's somebody that, you know, they come to the office, they always, you know, meet and press, um, start, if somebody starts coming in disheveled or, you know, you notice that they're, you know, rubbing their eyes a lot or they seem more sleepy, um, you know, those are some of the most common things. If, uh, you know, obviously we can't all sit down and have lunch together anymore, um, but if you notice that person that normally was consistent with bringing their lunch, eating, sitting down and, um, you know, being healthy that they're not eating or, you know, again, the flip side of that, overeating. When you start to see those things, you know, of course, first step would be to reach out to them and just let them know your concern. So all of your referrals come from the the client, I guess, initiating that self-referral. Is, is that how most, if not all, of, of your, your clients get established? Yes. They call us themselves. If anybody's over the age of 18, nobody else can schedule it for them. That okay. certainly helps me understand the process a little bit better. And so once a client gets established with the program, what sort of interventions do you offer? Well, all of our counselors are trained in trauma. Um, we see so many folks, everyone has some type of trauma in their life, whether they actually address it or not. Um, and so we make sure that we are trained in, in that area to take each individual and, and their individual situation, assess what's going on, and be able to come up with outcomes to, you know, find what they need to find some balance in their life. A lot of times, um, you know, providers and just folks in the medical field in general, they worry about taking care of everybody else, but yet they still continue to, to put themselves on the back burner. And they may tell people and patients all the time what they need to do themselves, um, but they're not doing those things on their own. So, you know, we kind of understand what they know. Some people are, like I said, they're telling individuals all the time what to do and uh, find what works for them. Maybe there was an intervention that works back in medical school and things that they enjoy doing, but it, they let it go to the wayside. So, you know, we, we try to establish to go back to those things uh, and see if they would still work um, or just develop a, a new treatment plan is technically what it is um, to be able to say, okay, what, what do we need to do so that you can find that best version of yourself and not just be living, but really, you know, thriving. But the individual based on what's going on, they would, you know, once meeting with a counselor and they develop what, what is the best plan from there, um, just continue on using phone or telehealth. One day we may be back <laughs> to in person, but, uh, but using that medium to be able to um, have that sense of accountability. You know, sometimes when people aren't open to talking about those things to friends or family members, um, there's not that extra layer uh, for somebody to be accountable. So speaking with a professional about something that's going on, you know, gives you that extra layer to say, okay, somebody's watching me, making sure I'm doing this, just like I would look over somebody else's care. So, you know, just makes you, hold you accountable. 
So you mentioned earlier how some of your clients, one of the signs or symptoms that they may be showing when they are going through burnout is maybe over-exercising or overdoing certain activities. Uh, you know, one of the things I've found really helpful since the pandemic started was I've, I've been running a lot more than I previously had and joined a bunch of, uh, now I joined one of these virtual running clubs uh, through apps like Strava and things like that uh, with uh, Memphis Runners Club and things of that nature. Can you talk a little bit about how exercise correlates with burnout and uh and healthy eating, how that all plays into just provider resilience and, and that overall sense of well-being? Absolutely. The thing is, is we all know, you know, we have physical health and, you know, but there's so many other components to that. You know, we have to address not just our physical health with doing things like exercise, uh, but also mental health, spiritual health. Um, you know, there's all these different facets and, you know, no, none are no less important than each other, the other ones. So, you know, we have to look at it as, you know, a, a circle and these are just different pieces of the pie that we have to look at and make sure that we're addressing. So, you know, with, with mental health, talking to a counselor, talking to just someone and being able to get honest feedback is, you know, one component of that spiritual health. You know, church is one thing. I know a lot of people can't actually go to a physical building now, but uh, doing things like mindfulness, just being quiet, being able to refocus your thoughts and not be so focused on what happened the prior day and, you know, really focus on the day that you have that's fresh with no mistakes. So just all of these different things is really what makes us a whole healthy person. And so not, not addressing one more than the other. You know, they really have to be um, all addressed at once. Um, otherwise, um, that's when we throw ourselves off and are not healthiest versions of where we want to be. Yeah, that all makes sense. You need to have that well-rounded perspective. And, you know, some people do better in certain domains than others. But as far as the, as the program goes, when you have patients that are coming in, you know, what does signs of success look like as they go through the program? You know, what sort of outcomes are you hoping for? Well, it's funny you mentioned that. I just got off the phone with a client that's in a really great place. You know, when I first started talking to her, she, you know, was worrying all the time. And, you know, those thoughts of a lot of times things that she couldn't control were taking over. And um, she really wasn't able to do those those daily tasks because the overwhelming sense of the unknown and things that you we really don't have control over was um, really just consuming her day. So, you know, one sign of success um, that I see for a lot of individuals because anxiety is such a high prevalence in everyone, to be honest, uh, you know, is being able to say, um, you know, I'm focusing on these things and really, uh, you know, you take a sheet of paper as simple as it is to, you know, write out these are the things I control, these are the things I can't control and have to use your, your own thinking to cognitively shift to, okay, I'm going to focus on these things over here because everything else, you know, it's going to worry me and take over and I'm not able to be a successful. So, you know, individuals can, can see it, friends and family can see it in that individual. Um, and sometimes we involve them if we need to, um, but really just the person in themselves saying, you know, I'm getting a lot more done. I feel better. I'm, you know, just people can notice the difference in me because when you put all those pieces together, folks will definitely notice. And um, you're going to feel more confident and in control of not just uh, the work setting, but your complete health. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You mentioned control a lot there. 
And I do think that sense of not being able to control your own environment and your own you know, destiny has contributed a lot to burnout. If you think about what has all happened in healthcare over the last couple of decades with the changing healthcare landscape, the EHR that they can't control anymore. And now with the COVID-19 pandemic, those are all things that have led to loss of that independent physician autonomy and, and loss of control of their practice, loss of control of medical record, now loss of control of everybody's lives with this pandemic. And so, yeah, that seems to be an important thing that you mentioned, focusing on the things that you can control and trying not to worry about as much of those, those things that you're unable to control. That's, that's a really important point that the audience should take away. Absolutely. I mean, in our, our current day and age, there's, you know, so many things going on anyways before COVID happened. Uh, you know, we know that our providers didn't go into this field not caring about people. And so we all know that you have to first take care of yourself before you can take care of anybody else. You know, it's just the basics that we all know is so important. And right now, if you notice the things that you're you're doing aren't working, then you can't keep doing the same things and expect a different result. So we hope to be an outlet and an advocate for you as you advocate for your patients and are just glad to be able to provide the service um, because, you know, it's developing new habits. Sometimes you just have to, you need somebody to keep you accountable to um, focus on you and say, you know, just remind you that you're important and you can't pour from a cup that's empty. Thank you so much, Melissa. And if you don't mind, can you just tell the audience one last time how they can get in touch with the EAP program if they need to? Absolutely. That number is 901-458-4000. Again, it's 901-458-4000. And uh, you just call that number and let us know you're looking to schedule an appointment and um, we can get you set up with a counselor if you have a preference. We have a very diverse uh, group of staff here, men, women, Caucasian, African-American, you know, whoever you have in mind that you want to see, please just let us know. Um, they're all amazing. I am a little biased, but they're, they're an awesome group of folks. And for those out there that, that don't want to at this time or you're, you're debating choosing a call to get connected to a provider, we, you know, try to reach people from, from different angles. And, you know, we do have a social media presence where we put everything from, you know, tips and tricks and ways for you to take care of yourself to, you know, here, take a break from what you're looking at and, you know, are you tired of looking out your window? Look outside somebody else's and have a, a virtual experience to kind of get a break from, from what's going on in your world, especially with us not being able to travel right now. Um, but we do always have a counselor on call. So if you call us and it's 11 o'clock at night on a Friday, we always have a counselor on call um, and can help you with whatever's going on. And we want to remind you that there's no problem too big or too small. We are well connected with the communities that we provide services. So please feel free to reach out. If you see somebody struggling, maybe maybe call with that person if they're if they're open to that. But um, just know there's always somebody to talk to and just give us a call and we can, if it's not, not us, we can get you connected with whatever resource that you may need. Thank you, Melissa. That's some great information. And thank you everybody for being a part of this episode and listening to Right Care at Baptist this week. Remember, if you go to the podcast show notes, you can find the link to the CME survey so you can get credit for listening to this podcast. And we will put the contact information for the EAP program on the show notes as well. So thank you again, Melissa. All righty, sir. Thank you so much for having me. We look forward to y'all's calls and thank you.